Hello everyone, this is Isaac Petrie. Welcome to the podcast. Be ready to be encouraged and enlightened as we discuss spiritual solutions for everyday life. Well, hello there, everybody. This is Isaac Petrie. And who are you, sir? I am Iron Petrie. How you doing? I am Iron Petrie. Listen, welcome to Kingdom Conversations. Gonna give just a few minutes. Come on and speak to us. You can't come on here and not say hello or something. And then we're going to talk about um, just a few things. So I want to greet the people. You doing good? Man, I'm doing good. No complaints. And you will find him and with him everything else. I like that. <laughs> hey, yes, Elizabeth, Elizabeth said hello. Glad to have you. Listen, I'm going to ask those that are coming on to share this information already. Just put it on your page. There is the great Leo Green. And there is the great Minnie from Nashville. Minnie, look, she got a truck up there. She be rolling around. <laughs> she be coming everywhere. All Please over the world away, joining us. Hey, Tawana, how you doing? Listen, y'all are going to be informed today. There's Keisha Codwell. Glad to see you, Keisha. We miss you. And um, and so thank you, Elizabeth. There's Tamika. Hey, how you doing? Oh, it's going to be good today. Um, you're going to get some information today. There is Cynthia. Hey, Cynthia, you didn't I didn't hear you say nothing about the Lord leading you back to Texas hey, You Cynthia, didn't admit you she didn't admit that she missed God. <laughs> I totally just admit it. You miss God when you left. But anyway, oh. a couple more people speak to us when you come on, and then we're gonna dive into this because Pastor Iron, I'm trying to tell you there is a lot to discuss, and I want to thank all of those that are a part of Kingdom Conversations. And of course, after the political season is over, we're going to be diving into a whole lot of other stuff. So it's not it's not just this. We're oh, matter of fact, there's some stuff I can't wait to dive into. Um, um, and I was supposed to have some guests on with me. Marietta says, hey, hey, Marietta, supposed to have uh, Pastor Charles Flowers on with me. Hopefully he will be on with me next week. He is stuck in an airport. And so being a person that travels, I understand flights get delayed and stuff like that. So he can't join us. And uh, Shaw Hollowell said, hey. And so um, it's me and you. Good. Now, tonight, there is another debate. Uh, Cynthia says she misses both. Miss you, too. Oh, yeah, still yeah. ain't admitted whether you miss God, though. I didn't <laughs> talk. I didn't ask, do you miss us? I am. Do you miss? Have you missed God? (laughs) No, (laughs) you know it. (laughs) But uh, tonight's a debate. Um, um, The people have said one third of the people have already voted. So this is for the two third who have yet to vote. People still hanging in the balance. People who still want more information. We got to talk about this now. Pass iron. We started talking about some policies last week, and I have been reluctant to share from a policy standpoint. I wanted the people to go look up their things, but people have been asking me about the policies and where do you stand on policies? What do you think about policies? So I'm fixing to go ahead and dive off into it because this is what I believe elections are about. I I believe they should be about policy. And the reason I wanted Charles Flowers on with me is because he deals a lot with the state of Texas. It's not just the president you're voting for. Whatever state you're in, you're voting for, you know, what um, the people who are going to represent your state and and represent you. So he deal he deals a lot with the state of Texas. And we're going to get into a lot of the things that are happening in Texas. But but since people uh, want to dive into these policies, we didn't mean to talk about the abortion or rights or the right to life, but we did. We got into that. So let's get into these policies and the ones that matter to me. And let's let's go down through these and explain them. Now, um, I got like I told you about 12 of them. I keep trying to throw them up on the screen. There they are. Those are my uh, let me go this way. Those are my 12 things that determine who gets my vote. 
And of course, some of those things are on a national, most of those things are on a national level. When it gets down into the city and statewide, some of that shrunk a little bit because you don't have to deal with national security, foreign policy and all of that stuff. But you need to have a template so that you know what you're voting for. Now, Pastor Iron, as we get into uh, number two on my list is family issues, issues that deal with the nuclear family. That's starting to become a policy issue. Now, I don't know how in the world these become a policy issue because we're talking about the breakdown of marriage. We're talking about the breakdown of the family. Now there are policies that are out there that are speaking to this. Do you want to speak to that real quick from a policy standpoint or just some of the things that when I say family and how do you how do you vote for the family? Just talk about that for just a sec. Oh, that's a good question. Um, you want me to start in. it off and then dive in? No, you, you, you can, you can, you can go ahead and start off. Let me, let me. Okay. For a second. Okay. When, when we talk about family, when it deals with who you're going to vote for, when it, when it comes to the family, first of all, marriage is huge. Now marriage, gay marriage is the law of the land now. And so those laws being overturned are, uh, I don't know if that's going to happen with any Supreme Court or anything. But when you just talk about the institution and you're dealing with marriage, you're dealing with laws that govern our children now, you're dealing with the things from this transgender movement and the redefining of things to the point where, you know, you've got laws that were trying to be enacted of boys going in children's, I mean, girls' bathrooms and girls going in men's bathrooms and, and, you know, and now the Equality Act where you've got transgender laws where there's no discrimination. And now you've got the, the, the issues of pushing our children to be transitioned at ages of six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and then trying to bring out discrimination laws to protect that kind of decision making. I think is huge for me. So any party that leans toward those types of ideologies um, is problematic for me from a policy standpoint. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean you you outlined it perfectly. I I can't add anything to that. I was I was sitting down thinking, uh, and I was trying to think of something different because I knew those, of course, are hands down without saying the mm-hmm. same ones for me. But I was trying to think of something different that that would be um, maybe anti-family. Uh, that that most people wouldn't think of. So I was trying, I was all, you know, I, I was all into thinking something else. But I will say this, uh, one of the things that, that I do believe is a, is a very family-centered policy is around the issue of school choice. Yeah. Uh, empowering Absolutely. parents to be able to make a decision as to where they want their children to go to school versus the idea of trying to kind of undermining parental authority and taking that, out of their hands. That's that's a very anti-family uh, uh, subject matter as well. So I think school choice is is, is a pro-family. Um, that's a pro-family policy. I think that's something that yeah. will enhance families. I, I think if, if if our generation, if they can't get access to a much better education, brother, we we're on an uphill battle. Seriously. Well, and and so since you did that, education is on the list. It's down there around verse um, number nine. And these are not in chronological order for me, but let's talk about education as a policy. Um, And let's just jump to there because, of course, um, President Trump's administration is advocating for school choice. President um, and Vice President Biden's his administration is not advocating for school charts. Matter of fact, they're trying to really squelch any school charts or even compromise charter schools and all of that. So talk just a little bit about that from a policy standpoint and and where should the kingdom be focused there from a policy standpoint? I think as a Christian person, as an individual who understands the concept of freedom or what freedom really is, I don't understand I the angst with giving 
parents a choice as to where their children go to school. I, I just, I find it difficult to, to kind of understand why that's such a problem. Now, of course, those in the educational system, of course, no, undoubtedly. Did you freeze up but, on me? Um, You're freezing up on me a little bit, bro. If, if you can tell on your end. I don't know if you can. It, hey, bro, I don't know if you can tell on your end, but you're doing a lot of freezing up on me. Yeah, I can. I can hear you, you hear me now. now. Still froze on the screen. So, uh, but go ahead and continue talking. We can. We can hear you. Okay. Yeah. And so, uh, I believe in. I believe in giving. Uh, I believe in giving the power of education to the to the parents over their children. Of what what type of what quality of, of education and what environments? Because see, it's not. It's it's quality. The parents are. We having a lot of technical difficulty with past iron i'm pa hey pastor is now hey. charter schools you know that's been the thing that's exploded hey bro somebody those of you that are listening to this yeah. comment come in in the comment um section if if he's freezing up on your end it could be just something on my end somebody shoot me a comment and let me know how they're picking this up on on his end um, shoot me a comment real quick and let me know if you, if he's freezing going in and out on you so that I can know whether to try to pull him out and bring him back in. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of technical difficulties. Hey, bruh, I'm going to, I'm going to take you out and see what you can do to maybe fix that. You might can change positions, whatever you need to do, cause you're freezing up real bad. And I'm going to bring you back, uh, in. Okay. So let, let's do that. And then I'm going, I'm going to see if he can get back in on, let me, let me, let me deal with this um, from a standpoint of an education standpoint. And we're talking strictly policies. And this is why you gotta, you gotta know these policies. Um, there, I believe there needs to be freedom in education, whether your child wants to go to a Christian school, whether they want to go to, you know, a school that that's that started by some CEO of a company, um, a school that's that's um, a traditional school, like a public school or private schools. I believe if we are indeed supposed to be in a free country, the parents should be able to pick where their child wants to go to school. And, and I believe one of the issues that causes so much poverty is if you are in a minority community and you go to the schools that you are district to go to are are in your neighborhood and they're failing like a lot of these schools are then the parents should be able no matter where they live determine where they want their child to go to school and i just think that from a policy standpoint this is huge school choice is a must it is a must and so I feel like biblically, from a standpoint, you know, the Bible is all about and all you're getting, get understanding, get wisdom. God wants you to have knowledge. One of the spirits of God is knowledge and to be able to determine where a child can and cannot go to receive that type of education to me is a policy I can't support. I have to support a policy agenda that gives the parent the right to choose the atmosphere, the academic atmosphere that they feel like it's best for their child to go to school. And I'm also for, in some measure, the government doing something to fix these ridiculous prices for college, <laughs> because it is just ridiculous for your child to have to come out of college in debt to the degree that they are in debt. So there needs to be some reforms in that part also. And so you put those two together and then determine which way you're voting. And yeah, somebody's talking about homeschooling. And so I believe there should be definitely freedom of choice in schooling. So Pastor Iron, I'm bringing you back in. Um, yeah. 
Are you there? You no, only change location. You might not be a signal issue. Well, not well. I don't know. I just wanted to make sure I'm gonna do everything the way it's been done. Well, <laughs> I want I want you to know I nailed it. Yeah, I nailed it on your behalf. I believe it. That there probably ain't <laughs> nothing else to say <laughs> because I nailed it <laughs> on what I felt like school choice would be. But go ahead and throw that in there for just a little bit, and then we'll we'll move on to some other topics. Oh, no, I think I think, uh, like I said before, all that happened, you know, just giving parents the power to choose. I, I, I would think that parents have a greater invested interest in the success of their children than a third party. I'll just yeah. leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good stuff. Good stuff. And you are you are you're good. You're sounding good. You're looking good now. <laughs> um, and so now let's move on to something else, because this is this is uh, this is something that. Yeah, I get some people up here. Uh, let me just put these on the screen real quick because um, to echo what we've been saying, um, look, $30,000 in debt. There is no reason on earth that college should cost that much. And I believe if we start throwing around more choice and stuff like that, like anything, competition will spark, you know, a lot of these prices to going down. And and I just I just think it's ridiculous. Um, Sarah agrees. College debt is utterly ridiculous. Um, Shar absolutely on the point that college debt <laughs> they have children and parents in debt, and so there has to be some reforms from the pricing, and then there needs to be reforms from and that deals more like after you graduated, and then the freedom of choice. And um, Shauna say we're not going to even talk about the cost to get a master's. <laughs> and so, yeah, we, we got to make some reforms on that. And so finding out where their policies are on that end is where you you need to decide who gets your vote. Now, we want to move on to something that a lot of people didn't, don't talk about, because I was talking about somebody and they were like, you know, the problem with all of these things is, is there's not enough in-depth conversations about things like Israel and foreign policy and all of that. So what 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 uh what 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 the church needs to be talking about is more of how to align these things. Why is Israel important? So bro, I'm going to give you two a couple of minutes to hit it and then I'll hit it. When we talk about from a policy standpoint, a nation or president being pro-Israel or anti-Israel, why is that a big deal? Or one being more for Israel than the other one. Why should that be a big deal from a policy standpoint? Well, I'm going to turn around and bat this back to you because I know this falls right in your wheelhouse. Yes, thank uh, you. But, but at I, the end of the <laughs> but at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's the promise. It's the promise of God's word. It's the promise of God to the nation of Israel. Uh, it's the Abrahamic covenant. It's it's God's word that ultimately, if you're going to be a friend of Israel. Uh, then you're doing you're you're being a friend to God in many ways, uh, and so I think it's 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 vitally important. And so uh, yeah, I mean it's it, it's from from a biblical perspective, they are the apple of God's eye. That was that's Deuteronomy, and so at the end of the day, being a friend of Israel. Now, of course, Israel is is a nation that has you know they where where they put Jesus, how they see Jesus. You know there there's some something to be uh, discussed there. But at the end of the day, we do so out of honor to the word of God if you're a Christian and, uh, and you recognize the significance of that nation and its role in history and its role in the future. And I think people have no idea to understand. I, I mean, understand how important, no idea of the importance of understanding is what I was trying to say, because any nation that aligns with Israel aligns itself for the blessing. Mm -hmm. And so Israel is important. And the Trump administration is very, very, very pro-Israel. The Biden administration, um, they say they're pro-Israel, but I have some issues with them from a policy standpoint. And the reason is it's because of what they did with the Iran nuclear deal while he was vice president in his foreign policy as vice president. He was supposed to be as a vice president to President Obama. He was picked to be a VP because of his foreign policy. Um, expertise, mm -hmm. um, which is what they touted. But the Middle East was in a mess. Iran was strengthened by them in a huge way. And the reason that is important 
is because Iran is the greatest threat to Israel. They they have determined to wipe Israel off the map and America, too, if they could do it. Oh, yeah. I was going to say they won't stay there. You're right. <laughs> and so the aligning of these nations with Iran and 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 their allies with their determination to cause Israel to cease to exist. Any foreign policy that strengthens Iran in any way is a threat to Israel. So you can't say you're pro-Israel mm -hmm. and then do anything to strengthen Iran. And so um, from a policy standpoint, I can't support any any administration that is going to jeopardize Israel, number one, that's going to strengthen Iran, number two, and then number three, that does not understand that to, to protect that nation is to protect this nation because that's the one with the covenant. Now, America made a covenant, too. But that's the nation that God says, I'll bless them that bless you and I'll curse those that curse you. And and it just is what it is. Now, we're not even like you said, going to get into a spiritual standpoint of whether they think the Messiah is so or not, because that has nothing to do with the promise of God over that nation. And so from a foreign policy standpoint, everything has to align with Israel. And then let's go deeper into a foreign policy standpoint, because if people don't realize that there is one big, huge threat to the nations of this world that has to be dealt with from an economic military, from a social standpoint, from an ideological standpoint, from a religious persecution standpoint, from just a global threat. There are only two nations that are battling out for supremacy, and that is the United States and China. And so from a foreign policy standpoint, if you can't keep your eye on China and find out what is happening in that nation and how it affects the nations of the world and what they're doing throughout the nations of the world and competing to be the superpower economically, militarily and every other way with the United States of America, then any foreign policy that does not deal with China will not get my vote. Because that is the threat. That is the threat prophetically in the Bible. Um, and that is the threat from a foreign policy standpoint, because you think about North Korea and and, you know, and all, of, you know, North Korea is that small. Yeah, <laughs> but yet they talk so big. <laughs> and the reason they talk so big is because China yeah. is their ally. That's and, right. so, and so the whole destabilization of all of that from an economic standpoint, from a military standpoint, from a nuclear power standpoint, from a, a like I said, a socioeconomic standpoint, China is the biggest threat because they persecute Christians. They are a communist nation. They can never rise to power. They can never be the military might, the economic might. They could never do it, but they're trying to do it. It, with, with overtaking nations of the world in the Middle East. I wish I had people on that could tell you about what China is doing and the threat they are mm -hmm. to this nation. And so when the President Trump's administration came in and started aiming at China, man, my ears perked up because I was like, uh oh, because we were in debt and still in debt to China <laughs> and all kinds of stuff where we were giving them the supremacy and we're not going to even talk about no virus. We're not going to even get into that <laughs> in China. We're not even going to start there because then the conversation will get too deep. But foreign policy matters hmm. because yeah. foreign policy, let's move into the next one, moves on into national security. And national security deals with the actual securing of a nation. It deals with it. It deals with the actual protection of a nation. Mm -hmm. And so that deals with the whole wars and 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 protecting our borders. And it deals with all of the issues. So who's strongest on national security from a standpoint, Pastor Iron? Because that is crucial. You know, 9-11 um, hit. And then terrorism, that age of terrorism hit. And so we have to vote for whoever is the strongest also on national security. Talk to me a little bit about the way you see that. 
man, look, you you have laid out a whole lot there. This year. well, that's what we do on Kingdom yeah, Conversations. Yeah, we have um, to educate the people. We have yeah. to. We, yeah, you I, I, I who who watch Kingdom Conversations will be the most informed people <laughs> about events. You got to be informed so you know what you're voting for. So yeah, you know I think. I don't think people understand the the stated purpose. I'm going to go back to something before I. I, I move wait a minute. Forward. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Pastor. I I did not know he was on this man right here. I I, I hope I don't put him out here too much. This yeah. man right here on the screen, Andrew Braze, is a man of God, a preacher of the gospel. He's man. also a missionary to China, mm-hmm. and he has been in China doing amazing work. He and I had a conversation not too long ago asking him about all the spiritual ramifications about the things that are happening in China. And I'm not going to go into detail what he said, because number one, I want to keep him covered. (laughs) I want to keep him, you know, and I haven't gotten his okay to talk about a lot of that. But but he is on the grounds under he understands what is happening in that nation and i'm telling you church that is the spiritual force that we have to deal with and so any foreign policy that that brings china into into accountability and underneath authority and even weakens them to the point where we don't allow them to overtake nations like they're doing all over Asia and Africa. They are doing things where they are just demonically taking over whole nations by bringing them into debt. And and uh, I don't want to talk about it all, but any foreign policy that deals with China I'm all for it. And so that's all I'm going to talk about. But uh, just just an amazing man. Yeah. Of OK, go yeah. ahead. Yes, Iron. Yeah. What I was going to say was, like I said, I was going to touch on that, because when you brought up China, it made me think about the fact that the Chinese Communist Party uh, and Xi Jinping, they have their stated ambition is to be the highest sun in the sky. Yeah. And so um, I don't think people understand the 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 willingness to carry out their vision. Yeah. Of world domination and, uh, and of being the, the highest sun in the sky. And uh, when you talk about the issue of national security, something just kind of triggered in my mind when you said it, because there is there is the military. There is the there is the protecting of our nation's borders from terrorists and from foreign invaders. But those foreign invaders come in more uh, forms than just uh, as they did in flying airplanes in the buildings in 9-11. But when you talk about national security, you also have to talk about a philosophical security from foreign ideas. And because if this country and this is and this is why I say whatever administration likes to get in bed and become extremely inclusive of foreign ideology and, and, and other ideas like socialism and so forth and so on. These are the real threats to national security, because whereas the United States of America is so powerful militarily, uh, we have the ability to respond to m- military issues, military attack, I believe more so than we have the ability to respond to psychological and philosophical attack. Hmm. Because, see, that's the issue. The changing of the American thinking. I mean, if you think about the fact that uh, the idea of socialism was treated like nonsense in america for so many years it was it was held by a fringe group of people who would run around (laughs) and talk about what we need to do or that or the other uh but now all of a sudden we had a man in um in bernie sanders run as a professed democratic socialist Mm -hmm. and his ideas begin to actually gain a little traction yeah now that speaks to a changing in the minds of the american people right and, and who are voting. And, and then, of course, also it speaks to uh, the influence upon the young in the, in the world of academia, where in our school systems, they're, they're preaching and teaching this stuff to our kids. And so that's a form of national security, because if you plant within the American people a virus that is self-destructing, you won't have to attack us from without. And so when we're voting, we have to think about the fact that you're also voting to preserve a way of thinking. 
<laughs> that we're not we're not just uh we're, we're, we're talking about preserving the the appreciation of free market economics and capitalism we're talking about appreciating the rule of law we're talking about appreciating uh keeping government and its reach um constrained we're talking about we're talking about uh, uh, the american way of thinking that has been the reason behind the success of this country you take for example china china is a communist country communist rule but even china who's gotten really slick you know they've gotten really smart about the fact that they recognize that economically they're gonna be better off if they kind of open up the market a little bit and be a little bit more capitalistic where the market is concerned and kind of borrow from the Western ideas that they claim to loathe <laughs> economically, right. but still keep the communist political power, right? right. And political ideology. So they, they're trying to work this hybrid because they see the benefits of capitalism. And so why would America, why would America begin to abandon what has made us economically powerful Right. When other nations who have traditionally not been capitalists are, are starting to adopt it so that they can become more economically powerful. You see, we've got to wise up <laughs> to, to the idea that there's a lot going on. There are a lot of moving parts in the world. And the United States of America is not just sitting here. We are an island, but we're not on an island, so to speak. We're involved in a, in a global uh, power struggle. And there are powers in this world that would love to topple the United States of America in a heartbeat. And, uh, we, and we've got to we've got to stand our ground. America's in the way. So from a whole national security aspect, I'd look at it very simple. Who's been the best? Who's been the toughest on terrorism, eradicating terrorism, keeping us safe, getting us out of these crazy wars? Mm -hmm. and, and so the Trump administration has been great on that. When when I mean, man, the Middle East was a mess. Um, um, terrorism, ISIS, uh, all, all kind of Al Qaeda, Taliban, everything, everything was in a, in an uproar, um, tremendous fighting in Israel, destabilization in the Middle East. The Trump administration comes in, ISIS is gone. Everything is calmed down in the Middle East. He, he has brought Iran under heel. He has brokered, they have brokered Middle East um, peace treaties. And so it seems like everything is moving from a national security standpoint. And those are just the facts. So now let's move on in deeper into, yeah. uh, let's get into a little bit of healthcare because, because um, Obamacare, healthcare, um, that's a huge issue, making sure, because the Bible is very clear, you are to to take care of the, the needy, clothe the naked, feed the hungry, visit those that are in prison, be very philanthropic because as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. So getting affordable health care, giving health care to people who don't have it, who couldn't afford it, um, that's noble. That's, that's a godly thing. Um, but why does Obamacare need to be repealed and replaced? And what is all the fuss about it? And I know you can't go into a deep dig about yeah. all of the policy issues, but from your standpoint about healthcare, why, why the struggle with healthcare, um, why the issue surrounding it and which administration do you feel like will have the best healthcare plan? Um, you know, I think the biggest issue with o Obamacare or the Affordable uh, Care Act was the individual mandate of mandating, you know, basically with few exceptions, um, people to have health insurance mm -hmm. uh, and, and it being considered unconstitutional. It's demanding that people do it. And, and then people not realizing the, the burden that that would place on small businesses and, and the taxes and the things that people would have to pay. Uh, and of course, here, here's something that, that needs to be said here before I, I move on as to what I think would be better. Um, people always talk about putting taxes on businesses and so forth. Businesses don't pay taxes. Only yeah. human beings pay taxes. We're going to get into that, too. We're going to get into taxation in the economy for yeah. later. We're going to yeah, get only, into the money. Only people, only human beings pay taxes. If you put taxes on uh, industries and institutions or businesses or what have you, they're just going to pass along that tax burden to you and higher prices or deductions or layoffs or automation right. or what have you. 
Um, and so we have to realize that. And so a lot of times that was the big issue. That individual mandate was a big, big deal. Mm -hmm. uh, my thing is when it comes to any type of moving of the needle toward a more socialized health care, right. you have to ask yourself uh, this question. Do I want access to health care or do I want access to quality health care? Because you can always get something cheaper. Cheap is easy. Mm -hmm. um, and what we want to make sure, though, that we maintain in this country is a quality of health care. And our health care system has been the the pinnacle for, for a very, very long time in, in, in a healthcare system here in America versus other parts of the world that have moved toward this more socialized medicine and so forth. And so I think we have to ask ourselves about the quality of care we want, because ultimately, if we're going to move toward this whole socialized idea, it'll always work for some. You'll always find a few people that say, man, that was great, because there are, you can have the most horrible policy in the world. It's going to work for some people. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, the long term ramifications and effects upon us economically of having socialized medicine as well as health wise, because yes. the quality of care will deteriorate. It does. Right. It's done that in Canada. It's done that in Cuba. It's done. It is done that all over the world that, that they've tried to socialize medicine. And whenever right. the needle is is tilting that way, it perks my ears up because I believe that the government, because basically this is what we're talking about, the government running healthcare. I don't know of anything the government runs better than the private sector. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't know it. And they can try to make things free if they want to, but I don't think it works. It kind of reminds me of a, of a statement. Uh, there's a statement that's made that the mice dies in the trap because he doesn't understand why the cheese is free. <laughs> and so, and so I think. <laughs> I like that. That's good. I'm going to use that. The, yeah. The so mouse I think dies in the trap because they do not understand that the cheese is free. Yeah, they don't understand why the cheese <laughs> they is free. They didn't understand why that cheese was free. <laughs> yeah, and, and the wow. same thing is true of any type of socialism or socialistic idea, whether it's around healthcare or anything else, that once you start talking about free, free Medicaid, Medicaid for all, and Medicare for all, and this for all, there is no such thing as free. There are only, if you, you can call it free, but that means somebody else is paying for it. And so at the end of the day, we have to make sure that we look through all of this, these talking points and these cute little slogans to see the reality of really how we're going to live. So I think anybody that tends toward free market economics and a free market in terms of health care, which is what you're basically going to get, because that's just this is that's what Trump is. OK, that's yeah. just what the man is. OK, but anything toward that, I believe in the long run is going to do better off for us when it comes to healthcare than trying to to move the needle toward any type of nationalizing of the of, of medicine. I just Good. don't think that work. I, I there's nothing more I can put on that except to say um first of all we got a conversation breaking out um a, a couple of comments about race, racism, white supremacy, all of that. Uh racism first of all is not a policy. We, we're discussing policy issues, but because it's on the page, we're going to go back and discuss that here at the very end. So those of you who are making comment about uh, about uh, white supremacy, racism, we're going to deal with that in just a minute. OK, uh, because I want to make room for that since it's it's in the feed. So those of you that put those comments out there, don't leave. Stay tuned so we can address all that. But we're dealing with policies. OK, so now the only thing I want to add to Obamacare is we want people covered people should be covered and the president trump's administration say they're going to make sure they keep people covered with pre-existing conditions mm -hmm. because there was an issue where if you had a pre-existing condition you could literally be denied coverage and that shouldn't be that that shouldn't be because you're you're just simply making a financial decision uh, uh, with people's lives and and that should not be so there is some middle ground on this but the issue was not health care. It was the implementation of it, making it a socialized way of providing it, demanding that people yeah, it and have it. And not only understanding that some people like me, our premiums doubled. Oh, yeah. Doubled and oh, tripled yeah. for some people because of the wrecking of the whole market. 
And I'm telling you, it 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 wasn't good, and the healthcare was not as good, and you were not able to keep your plans. No, I had to change all of that. You were not able to keep your doctors. I had to go to different doctors, and 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 so the whole implementation of it was was where the problem is. So so I believe we can come up with a system that can cover people, yet go back to the free market allow people to anyway i don't want to get too bogged down in that because you explained it great 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 now let's get on over into the economy because you mentioned economy and taxes just a couple of more minutes and we see this why you got to talk about all these things mm -hmm. first of all i'm telling you right now <laughs> oh god here we go here we go <laughs> for no administration raising no taxes on nothing and nobody and who <laughs> and they ought to be cutting everything they can cut <laughs> oh man because listen people keep talking about taxing the rich and and making sure that we tax the rich well first of all um i, I heard somebody say this and this is brilliant number one you, you have to understand that the rich the rich can hide their money and that's what they do <laughs> i mean they can put it in bonds they can they can they can do all kind of loopholes and 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 get away you're not you're not going to raise the taxes on the rich in some ridiculous manner and expect them to pay it. Number one, that's not going to happen. Number two, when you start putting unjust burdens on people that are actually doing the hiring of other Come people, on, you start to affect jobs. And this is what people don't understand is that it's it's mainly the people in that upper income bracket that is providing jobs to other people. And so it, 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 you know, Thomas Sowell, I mean, uh, he's the man you introduced me to, and I can't thank you enough. Oh, I don't know treasure, man. how that man is a national treasure. And yes. if you don't know who Thomas Sowell is, you need to repent before Jesus <laughs> comes <laughs> because you got to understand this amazing man. And so raising taxes, it's not just going to be on the rich. Yeah. It's it's going to trickle down to everybody yes. because with with that tax, when those taxes are not paid, they're going to get it from somewhere. And Absolutely. that's like even in the depression, they raise taxes. How yes. you raise taxes in the depression? Because you tried to overtax people, hid their money, didn't pay their taxes and you had to get it. So now you start coming down into the middle class and the lower class and start raising taxes. Mm -hmm. And so. Any one of them that's cutting taxes is going to get my vote on just the taxation part. They're yeah. going to get my agreement. I don't want to say my vote because my vote determines on, on the sum total of things, but they're going to get my agreement on the taxation part. And, and it seems very clear that whatever the tax plan that was happening, and, and this goes into the economy a lot with the regulations and everything, Man, jobs were booming. I mean, nobody can dispute that. These unemployment rates, these these um, these um, jobless rates, these the businesses booming, the 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 companies booming, the manufacturing coming back, everything was booming because of tax cuts and regulations. So am I wrong about that? Tell me you're a little bit more on that economic side when it comes to all that, because you're the Thomas Sowell disciple. <laughs> so, so, so talk just a little bit about that before we go. Uh, we're going to get into some of this, these other things that people, um, 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 yeah, Mar I just saw somebody, Marietta talked about, she can give a whole segment on healthcare uh, and pass iron. You were on point because she's a stroke victim and and plus she's in that industry so whatever you said was God good bless you, Mari. if Mari clapped for you you, you said good so bless you, you talk, talk a little bit about this real quick well um, I, 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 economy tie all that together well I'm, I'll just I'll say a couple of simple things uh first of all there is an unimpeachable rule of economics uh that has been proven forever you get less of what you tax and more of what you subsidize. Yeah. Okay. So people have a misunderstanding between tax rates and tax revenues and politicians know we don't understand it. That's why they come out and they start talking about tax this and tax that, and we're going to do this and that and the other. Whereas the government 
the government can raise tax rates on the rich, but that doesn't mean that's going to equal an increase in tax revenue into the government. Right. Because when they raise the taxes on the rich, the rich who have the opportunities and access to do so find shelters for their money. Right. And if you're going to increase the taxes and you're going to increase the tax rate on those who are CEOs or people who who own businesses and employ people, people need to just 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 take this one simple little concept. Right. When you as an employee get a paycheck. Now, most of us, a lot of us get paid digital and, and we get ours direct deposited nowadays because of technology. But there are lots of us who still get printed checks. Right. When you get your check, you get your check. You take it to the bank, you flip it over, you endorse the back of it, and you deposit it into your account. But before you do that, on the front of that check is another line where some people have already signed it on the front. Mm -hmm. You don't place burdens on the people who sign the front of the check if you want to keep having checks to sign the back of. <laughs> Uh, that's pretty clear to me. Is that clear to anybody else? I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, but it, it's something pretty... to me. <laughs> we're, we're connected in this, right? <laughs> Front check, back of the check. We're connected Front in this check, thing. Back check. I mean, whether we think we are or not, we're connected in this thing, and so. If you're going to place a burden on those people who sign the front of checks, they're going to pass that burden on to those who sign the back of them. So you see, uh, and, and this is, gets into some other economic issues of the minimum wage and all that kind of thing, where you're seeing this increase in automation. You're seeing this increase where you're going to the grocery store and everybody's self-checking. Right. There's fewer right. people employed to do that. You're seeing also, you're seeing the fact that now when it comes to jobs, Young people don't have as much access to, to jobs as they used to. You used to be able to get, get a job very early on when you were young, you know, you could, you get cause you started working, I believe, yep. weren't you like 14, 15 yep. years old? And started, yep. you started working and then it was, there was, yeah, there was a job available for you to be paid a wage and you to get your, 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 uh, your resume going as an, as an employee in the workforce. And so those things are all gone. I mean, I can still remember the time as a kid when I could go to the gas station with my mom in the back seat of the car before you had to be buckled up and I would just be running around and she'd pull up to get gas and somebody would come out and pump her gas mm -hmm. and clean her windshield. Well, over the course of time, we all started doing that ourselves. That's not just the natural progression of technology and we're progressing and getting smarter and doing more on our own. Some of that's economic. Right. Right. That these people, they're, they're no longer paying these people that because the price of doing business keeps going higher and higher. And so if we want to keep putting these these burdens on business like this, you're going to start seeing a whole, a whole lot of innovations. Right. And so we have to recognize that we have to recognize that what we're, we're dealing with economically, it's very serious. And when it comes to taxation, uh, I am not for anybody anybody raising taxes because when you cut taxes people's money is it, their money is freer they they're more likely to circulate their money in the marketplace they're more likely to uh take risk they're more likely to invest because yeah. they have more of their own money to work with but when you come at them with this big government taxation hammer then people get reticent they retreat they stop circulating their money they find ways to get around paying the taxes because it's unimpeachable you get less of what you tax that's just the bottom line. If I start taxing you, I'm going to get less of you. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> you're going to find a way around paying whatever tax I'm laying on you. That's just Absolutely. that's the nature of human human beings. Well, I seem to have lost some of my comments. Um, there were some people we want to. Yeah, you went now. blank there for a second. Yeah, I know it. It's technology. And I lost some of my comments, but I'm going to go back up to see. As we get ready to close out, we're fixing to talk about racism, white supremacy, uh, of some comments that some um, people made <clears throat> on the feed. And so um, I do believe there is a tax plan that works for everybody, but you cannot penalize people for being successful. And that in this, I don't know where we get that from. That's not Bible. That's not that's not God's plan. Um, and I don't know where when somebody gets successful, we, we almost feel like we have to penalize them um, in in taxation. And and it's just not 
anyway, you explain it. Now, so we have talked about, let me get back to this. We have talked about, last week we talked about the life issue, abortion. We've talked about family. We've talked about Israel, religious liberties. We didn't get to talk about that because that's next week. We're going to talk to yeah. Pastor Charles Flowers about that. But we've talked about health care. Um, we've talked about the economy, national security, education, taxation, foreign policy. We've talked about all of that stuff in 45 minutes, of course, and not in a very comprehensive way, just hit nuggets. So you have some sense. These are the things that should be determining your vote is your views on these things. Now, when it comes to. Uh, oh, I think you went blank again. idea i'm back okay there you are now somebody um typed here just a few minutes ago that uh, talking about policies and all those things are good i'm paraphrasing but what about racism white supremacy and it's the argument i hear all the time i've asked a lot of people who have an issue with people <laughs> yeah welcome back <laughs> with people who seem to support President Trump and 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 um, the 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 question is always it's never about policy issues. It's always about yeah, but what about white supremacy? What about his support for white supremacy? And what about racism and all of that? Now the person who asked that question because I went out and came back in, I actually lost your feed. Uh, I lost some of the comments, so I was going to put it back up on the screen. So the person who posed that question, will you please pose that again? Because I want to put it up on the screen so people can see it. First of all, Pastor Iron, um, so I don't see nowhere where President Trump has supported white supremacy. Now, that's me. Um, and and I, I watch the news. I listen to everything anybody else has said about it. Have you seen anywhere where President Trump supported white supremacy? I have not seen it in terms of him saying something that was uh, racist. Uh, I believe what I have seen, though, is a lot of media mutilation of, of statements to, to chop things up to make it appear uh, racist. Now, that I have seen. Uh, yeah. where, whereas well, I think people, all of this goes back to Charlottesville. When yeah. the Bible, I mean, when, when the media said he said that yeah, there were people good on people both sides, on both sides, and I, I always say this is the greatest media manipulation I've ever seen over the minds of people mm -hmm. who do not actually go back and research their own work. Um, where when you go back and listen to Charlottesville and you watch the whole thing, he denounced clearly white supremacists, KKK. And all of that, but nobody goes back to watch the original unedited film. They just take a talking point. And every time somebody has come up to me about white supremacy in Charlottesville, and I play that, they'd be like, "Well, uh, well, first of all, I didn't know that." And I'm like, "Well, what you talking? How you talking if you didn't know it? If you didn't watch it, how you talking?" And then some statements that he has made about you know uh, uh certain nations and and you know the proud boys thing they tried to say and all of this but now come on now everybody needs to just come to grips whether president trump is wrong and he is wrong a lot <laughs> it's just point blank the way he handles situations, some of the things he say, the things he throws out there, mm -hmm. he should not do it. We have to be true enough to admit that he is just wrong on a lot of fronts. So that's that. But then on the other hand, what people have to understand with all of this is that the media is just as wrong and, and just as devious in dividing the country. This is why they don't show any police officer saving any black lives. They don't show 
the president doing anything that he has done for the African-American community. All they show is something that is going to be like and and President Trump is an equal opportunity offender. He has talked about everybody. So, so, and he should be, <laughs> but he has talked about every men, women, old men, old women, black men, black women, um, entertainers, superstars. He talked about the Pope. He'll talk about anybody. And so this whole notion about racists and racism and the administration and what they've done. You've never been able to look at an administration and be able to name off things that have been done for the African-American community just like that. You can just name them. And so and then the people who work in the administration um, that are African-American and that I know come out and push back against all of this. So first of all, racism is not a policy. We're talking about policies and and then if you're going to go by all of that white supremacist stuff, you got to bring up Joe Biden stuff. When he said he didn't want his kids growing up in a racial jungle, he's the one who brought the crime bill, said we got to deal with these these black people. These predators is what he was talking about. Locked up more African-American people than any administration in history with the crime bill. And you got so many things that have been said. Um, and then preaching, um, uh, wasn't, didn't he take part in the eulogy of a KKK um, leader? Um, yeah, yeah, I do believe so. Yeah, and so uh, let's stop all that. Uh, that All that's a media blown out thing. And so I hadn't seen anything about promoting any racism or white supremacy. And if you have, please put it down here so I can... I can um, know about it because I haven't seen anything in any way from the very first day with Charlottesville on to every other time. And if I was him, I would quit talking about it because they're going to bring that up. I would just say, look, y'all heard what I said. I ain't even talking about this no more. And so and then it makes people who support him or vote for him makes it feel like we're condoning racism or white supremacy. And it's just played out because like I said, I'm old enough to remember when, when George W. Bush flew over Katrina because he didn't want to land and cause chaos. And then Kanye West came out and said, he don't like black people. Then from the rest of his administration, he was a racist. I remember when John McCain came out um, that they came out talking about him and his record and all that. He was a racist. Then Mitt Romney came out and he began to talk about how African-Americans are pretty much not going to support him. And when he made that statement, he was brand a racist and every Republican is a racist. And so <laughs> that's, that, that, that's not going to fly. <laughs> and if he was, I would say it. And so let's, let's just, let's just pay attention to the platforms because Trust me, there ain't nothing going on on either one of these sides from a moral, spiritual standpoint that you can hang your hat on. Just deal with the policies. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, uh, well, we went an hour. We out of time. Yeah. We gotta go. Yeah, it's, it's just strange. I, I just would think that a, a, a white supremacist would not promote an environment for my forward progress. No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And so that's what we need. We're, we're voting on issues. And I just want to challenge those one third have already voted you two thirds uh, in the nation. Hopefully this will bless y'all dive into the policies. OK, Pastor Iron, once again, you are masterful. You need to run for office. What you get through Pastor in Christ Nation's church. <laughs> hey, I love y'all. Y'all be blessed. Bless <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank y'all for listening. It was informative. Thank you, Tiffany. Tiffany said it was awesome. Uh, Tiff Nate voted last week. Thank you. We ah, appreciate awesome. it. Um, Kevin, I'll yes, too. sir. I'll, I'll Kevin said we need to pay attention to the platforms. Yes, sir. Uh, many say you're speaking truth. Um, Keisha say facts. Great show, pastors. Andrew, no, Andrew, that man, I need to get you on here because that's the man with the wisdom. I'm telling you. Um, Keisha said, Great show, Pastor. Thank y'all. Appreciate y'all. 
Rosa said, giving you some love. Um, Byron voted today. Bless you, sir. Um, actually voted Monday. And um, I like to wait. Um, Keisha voted yesterday. I'm a I'm a I'm a November the third kind yeah, of guy. Kind of guy. Pastor Iron even early voted. Yeah, I did. He snuck off and voted for me. Sarah says very informative. Angie, hey, how you doing? That is my relative out in Hawaii. Thanks for getting the facts out there. We love you, Jan. I love you, and my uncle Theo. Yeah, and so um, thanks everybody. Listen, we fixed the go. Y'all be blessed. Share this information. Thank you, Dorothy, and we love y'all. And we'll be back next week with more Kingdom Conversation. And when the election is over, we'll get on to some other stuff. <laughs> but, but until we the, all will, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> until then, this is what we're talking about. So we'll see you next week with our last God broadcast bless you guys. on the elections. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Lynette, Tawana, Dorothy. I see you. Y'all be blessed. Bye-bye. I pray you were blessed by today's podcast. Take a moment and subscribe to it and review it and share it with someone else so that we can stay connected. Be blessed.